Hola. Hope you chaps are doing well. Alrighty, so today I had a great one with all the young, the young gentlemen at uh, summer camp, and we made this obnoxiously Christian cross. It was phenomenal, frankly. Trust in the Lord. Work the plan. You know, if I was a little eighteen-year-old boy at a summer camp, what would I, you know, what message has, has greatly impacted my life that, you know, we could talk about masculinity, we could talk about domains, we could talk about, uh, you know, avoiding women and making science. Uh, there's many, many great topics. Uh, you know, I mean, if I could go back to my 18-year-old self, it would be like, listen here, boy, there's a thing called Bitcoin. You're going to buy everything. <laughs> No, that that probably, you know, we'd have to have some serious match fixing going on there. But I thought, you know, I'd really talk on this thing. I think one of the biggest things for us is avoiding victimhood. You know, this this absolute victim culture that uh, that clown world foists uh, upon young guys, young girls, where victimhood is status. You know, how do you get status in this world? You play the victim. And, you know, you, oh, you get sympathy and, you know, whoever's the most victimized in this, uh, you know, whatever you call it, uh, what is that called? Uh, intersectionality. Whoever has the most victim points. Rob, good evening, brother. Rob definitely doesn't have any victim points. No victimhood there. You know, intersectionality. If you're a genderqueer, wheelchaired, female, overweight, disabled, something you are the most intersectionally victimhooded person you therefore have the most status in the hierarchy your voice has the most voice in clown world you know which is just it's 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 a crazy uh way to think you know where for us as as christian men the bible is all about hierarchy it's all about honor it's all about uh growing in stature with god and men you know god loves everybody equally but he he honors everyone differently it says about jesus that he grew in stature with god and man you know how do you grow in stature if you're it's like oh well god god honors everybody it's like wrong god breaks the teeth of the clowns you know there's this thing of of it says about jesus that he could do no great work in his hometown because they did not honor him and he was a man he was god man worthy of all honor and yet people did not honor him uh there's another scripture that says a prophet's uh if you honor a prophet in the name of a prophet in other words if you afford them their position their gift right the gift that they are working out honor you will receive the prophet's reward which is his gift into your life and so honor is all about, you know, Rob, we're, <laughs> if we were Baptists here, Rob, you could claim that this was your, you wrote this. <laughs> he who does more is worth more. And that is the basis of honor. Does brave things. He who does strong things. He who does masterful, skillful things is afforded more honor uh, than those who do not. And it is, it is, 
it is in that metric, it is in that hierarchical framework, worldview, that us Christian men come into the world. You know, me like reading the dark web, everybody loves women and children unconditionally. Men are loved by what they do. And it's like, again, that's a bitter pill to swallow for young guys because, you know, young guys, you grow up as the precocious child. Oh, how cute. What a cute little boy. Look at you. Ha <laughs> ha. And, and then you hit, you hit adulthood and you're like, no one loves me anymore. And it's like, yeah, now you have to do stuff. You can't just be cute anymore. And so we get to this place, you know, where, where a lot of young guys, you know, they, they get to university, they, they maybe finish university with this thing of like, well, Everyone should just love me. Equality, right? Equality of love. Here I am. Love me. You know, and they've been told you can be an astronaut. You can be the president. You can be whatever you want to be. And, and we're not. You know, you don't just go out and become president. You don't just go out and become astronaut. You go out and get a part-time job while studying and, you know, perhaps, you know, whatever the, whatever the, track you choose you know you go get an apprenticeship or you go uh, just start an entry-level job or you go work for your family business like whatever it is but it's like you start very very far away from your great and mighty dream and and so and so begins reality the hard the hard reality for young men of like well no one loves me anymore no one no one celebrates me anymore no one uh, just gives me a free pass anymore because now I'm a man. Now I have to work. Now I have to have a mission. And so what we want to do is fall into victimhood. Like, well, I'm not getting sympathy anymore. I'm not getting celebrated anymore. Oh, I'm a victim, guys. Life is hard. You won't believe what happened to me. And, and we complain and we whine and we're a victim to excuse not getting to our dream, to excuse uh, why no one's loving us and all this stuff. And then we start, we start getting bitter against the men who have made it. We start getting bitter against the men who are strong, who are brave, who are masterful because they are, they are where I am not. And so we get resentful and we get bitter and welcome to clown world. You know, clown world is bitter and resentful victims, uh, trying to destroy successful men rather than bless and admire them. And so that's my, my whole thing I want to hit on for us. You know, I, I was chief of victims. I grew up very liberal, very effeminate, very victim boy because I was, I was the precocious child. You know, and it's like you leave school and it's like, why does no one love me anymore? It's like, you know, and no one tells you. You go to a freaking church, you get saved. You know, you have all these manly Christian men and it's like you are not inoculated from liberal brainwashing, you know. And the liberal brainwashing is like, well, we just, everybody, God loves everyone. You are loved, brother. We love you here, brother. And it's like, but I'm not doing anything. I want to be president, you know? And it's like, I, you know, so then you think that you deserve the honor of the president. That's the, that's the gamma. The gamma is not the king, but he thinks he deserves to be king. He deserves the honor of the king. He can run this show better than the king. You know, and, and most of us young guys start out our life in most hierarchies as the gamma, the little manipulative liar who who plays 
you know, this whole thing of like, how can I play the popularity game? How can I, can I work my way up to become king? Cause I should be king. You know, it's the classic, it's the classic journalist gamma in a, in a tree in the garden of Eden. Ethereal, welcome to Leninism. I deserve stuff. Exactly, man. Exactly. And so that's what I really wanted to hit on for these young guys. You know, what would I tell them? What would I tell a young Scott, a young 17, 18 year old Scott? The biggest thing is live your life to a mission. Be a man on a mission. Be a man after God's heart and work your plan. You know, there's this, there's this insatiable desire for men to be a man on a mission, but we aren't really taught who that man has to be, who, who that man has to become, you know? And so we start looking, we start looking at David and Joseph, right? These are my, my two favorite templates to, to look after because, you know, they, they weren't just straight to the top chaps, you know, you look at like the, the absolute, you know, to the moon, uh, success stories that, that people love to, to brandy about, you know, like, Oh, Mark Zuckerberg, you know, just, you know, smoking it up in my dorm room, boom, billionaire, you know, or, or, you know, whatever the stories people like to tell of, of like rags to riches by 21. But you look at David, David was the, the youngest child of, of eight brothers. His father overlooked him. His father had zero time for him. He had the, the worst chores, the worst duties in the family business. He had the worst uh, tasks, you know, whenever there was a famous, you know, cause, cause when Samuel rocked up for that, that feast to anoint the new King, that wasn't the first time they'd had a, a feast. That wasn't the first time they'd had a dinner like this. They've had many dinners where some hotshot has come through the community. And so the family gets together for a great, you know, family dinner and you're not invited. You're out. You're doing the night shift at the family business so that all the rest of the brothers can go and hobnob with the celebrities. That's who David was. David was out doing, forcibly out doing the night shift at the family business. So the rest of the brothers could all hobnob with the local mayor, hobnob with the local pastor, hobnob with the big business lads at, at the hotshots. And it's like, that's who, who David was. You know, he, he probably had a, a strained relationship with his dad. You know, like my dad doesn't love me. My dad doesn't like me. All this stuff. Like my brothers don't like me. You know, you can, it's evident when he arrives at, uh, at the battle lines to, to bring food for his brothers. Again, he was the errand boy. His brothers treat him with disdain. They're like, what are you doing here to gloat? You know, they didn't like him. They didn't like him. And so, so Samuel just throws all of this on, on the head by, you know, like, Hey, none of these sons are who, who's going to be the King. Like David's going to be the King. And that's a great story for all of us. You know, it doesn't matter how condemned you feel. It doesn't matter how, you know, useless or uh, unqualified you feel to serve God. God uses who God will use. And that's you. God has, you know, he has a plan for you. And, and that's, you know, what's so important as well is to see, you know, for all of us, we have, a, we have this responsibility, this duty to God to unearth our talent. You know, so many guys are like, okay, okay, okay. That's fine. God has a plan for my life. But it has to be huge. It has to be Donald Trump scale. It has to be Billy Graham. It has to be Elon Musk. It has to be, you know, because if I'm not doing something huge, then I'm failing God. Then I don't have a huge thing. It's like, no, no, no. Like, 
I'm quite happy to be a one talent guy. Like it would be great if I'm a 10 talent guy, if God ends up giving me more stuff. But it's like, we have to have this understanding that God has given each of us a talent. He's given us a gift to give, a domain uh, that we, you know, I, I I really love this idea of domains, you know, of, of the ministry domain, of the media domain, of the economy domain, of the government domain. But you will have a natural affinity, a natural passion, a natural desire, a natural joy at one of those domains. You know, it absolutely brings you joy. Like you would do that work. You would pay to do that work. That's when you know this is the work on your heart to do. And so, you know, this thing of scale comes up for a lot of us that stops us, you know, like, oh, it must be nice to be David. You know, you're going to be a king of a whole nation. Like, it's like, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. If, if, you, if you've got a huge 10 talent stack thing that God wants you to do. But you know that God's going to be just as pumped. You know, if, if, God, if God made your joy to go and be like, you know, I know a guy who's like, you know, I, would, I, love, to be, I love to be a policeman. I'd love to be uh, a teacher. I'd love to be a coach. I'd love to be a pastor, you know, like small backwater town of 30 families. I'd love to be a pastor of that church until I die. And it's like, wow, dude, that's a calling from God. You know, some guys like, oh yeah, I'd love to be a cop. You know, some guys like, yeah, man, I just, I just really enjoy fixing things. It's like we, all of us have a gift that the Lord has given us to work that we we bury because we don't think it's important enough. We bury because we don't think it's worthy of the Lord. You know, it's that whole thing of, of the Christian shoemaker. How do you know a Christian shoemaker is worshiping the Lord? Is it by stitching little crosses into the shoes? No, it's by him making excellent shoes. You know, and that's it for, for our gift, chaps. We work it as unto the Lord. Even if it's on the backside of the desert, even if it's the worst task in the company, even if it's the the worst project uh, in the group, like we work our gift, we contribute our gift as unto the Lord. Victim mindset says, oh, my boss doesn't notice me. My father doesn't notice me. Like, you know, this, this absolute victimhood of like, until I'm given honor, I don't work. We work as unto the Lord. It is the Lord who will honor us. Because that's the thing. David was out doing the night shift while all his bros were partying, but he was doing it well. You know, a, a robber, a, a thief comes to try and and break into, into his family business to steal the crap while he's doing night shift. Instead, he goes and, and freaking shoots the, shoots the thief. That's the type of guy David was. He's like, no, this is my business. I will steward it as unto the Lord. I'm not going to shirk the hard stuff. I'm not going to shirk the crap stuff. I'm going to work as unto the Lord. And that is what made him a man after God's heart. So this is one of the hugest things of being a man on a mission. Number one thing is having a reward theology. Matthew 6.6 6 says, it's talking about the Pharisees who, who basically use social media to virtue signal. They're like, look at me, how holy I am. I just gave this wretch $1,000. Thank you. Please uh, retweet, like, and share. <laughs> Thank you. Like that's what he, what these Pharisees are doing. And Jesus says, don't be like them. Don't let your right. Don't let your Instagram account know what your real life account is doing. Don't let your Twitter account know what your real life 
project is doing. Because your father, who sees you in secret, will reward you openly. And it says, you know, fine, if you go blast everything on social media, and be like, look how great I am. Look how much of a Christian I am. Look how amazing I am. It says they have received their reward. What was their reward? Some likes, some people going, <laughs> it's so good. They, they've received their reward. That was their reward, which is fine. Like if you like that, then, then get that and you will get that reward. But there's a reward that they're not getting. And that's from the father. Matthew 6, 6. Your father who sees you in secret. This is a huge thing. David was out on night shift, right? All the staff had gone home. All the brothers are partying. The whole town is at his family's party. And he's out on night shift. No one else is there. And he does the right thing. He works as unto the Lord. Because the Lord who sees you in secret will reward you openly. That's a promise, right? It's a promise from the Lord. And so we have to have this, chaps. We have to grasp this reward theology. Rob, we are all dealt a different hand of talents and gifts. There are plenty of endeavors that are effort-based that will help earn honor among peers. Example, lifting them heavy MFing weights, which stands for manufactured firing weights. Grind. Yeah, man, and, and that's that's a skill for a lot of you guys. You know, it's just this ability to grind and and just effort and 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 work. And man, God bless it. Use it. Ethereal, hard work always beats the high IQ gamma, and they hate it. <laughs> high IQ gammas hate this one thing. Hard work gets them. Rob, even as the most junior man in an honor hierarchy, being fit, well-dressed, well-spoken, on time, polite, will demonstrate your potential value to the men around you. This is it, chaps. It's all about attitude. It's all about a heart posture, being a man after God's heart. That's what it's all about, right? And it's these, it's these prison seasons, these desert seasons, these slave seasons where you are feeling overlooked, where you feel injustice against you, where you feel, you know, you look at Joseph, he gets sold into slavery. He gets falsely accused into prison. All of those scenarios that, that you go through, that I go through, that are a hard time, you know, we're like, oh God, what's going on? This is an injustice or I don't deserve this. Or anytime you feel victimhood welling up inside you, you have stepped into the gym of your mission. You have stepped into the gym of your heart posture. Am I a man after God's heart? Even when no one else is looking, this is time to do reps. Because that's it, chaps. You know, we've all been there of like, of, of folding, of folding when no one's looking, of folding when, when circumstances get tough, of folding when people treat you unjustly. So this is, this is, so the first thing is reward theology. Does God, you know, this is a question we can ask. Chaps, whenever you feel in this place, ask this question, God, do you see me? And read Matthew 6, verse 6. God who sees you in secret will reward you openly. Thank you, Lord that you see me. It's a great declaration. Thank you, Lord, that you see me. Thank you that you see my heart posture. Lord, I'm going to do this as unto you. And I thank you that you are going to reward me openly. It's a great, that's a great declaration, bro. Number two is having a vengeance theology. What I mean by this is trusting God to smash the mouth of your enemies. Because, you know, Matthew 18 is talking about forgiveness. If we do not forgive our brother, 
how can God forgive us? And I've always, I've always struggled on that one because I'm like, God, don't you see how this guy's treating me? If I forgive him, he's going to carry on treating me like this. But what it's saying is, God, vengeance is mine, says the Lord, right? Dio Vendici. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. And we need to release the first right of vengeance that, that we cannot exercise with perfection. We need to release that first right. Until you release the first right of vengeance, God cannot act. God cannot take vengeance because we are still in the strike zone. We are still in, you know, it's it's calling in fast air and you're still, you're under the smoke. That is holding on to vengeance. Instead, it's like, all right, chaps, we've popped smoke. God crushed this cr- clown. God, I, I am angry. I forgive. I bless and I'm getting out of the smoke because that's it. Get out of the smoke and let God avenge. And we see that with David, right? Saul, think about this, Japs. Saul unleashed the IRS, the FBI, the CIA, the the name your three-letter agency after David. Not only after David, after his whole family. Not only after his whole family, after all his friends. Took away his wife, gave his wife to another, another man, like just absolutely hunted this man down. Do you not think how much resentment he would have had towards Saul? It's like, imagine Hillary Clinton hunting you down into your bunker in the mountains of West Virginia. This is the levels of insanity that David was dealing with and, and the levels of hatred. And so Hillary comes into the cave for a dump. It's like, what would any sane man do? So David understands that he does not take vengeance on the Lord's enemies. He he does not take vengeance into his own hands, right? He has boundaries. He didn't stay in the palace when Mad Hillary was trying to kill him. He didn't stay in his town when the IRS was coming after him. He, he fled. You know, he put up boundaries. He got out. He got out of the way. But he never took vengeance into his own hands. And that was proving his trust in the Lord, proving that he was a man after God's heart, right? God will slay my enemies. That's a prayer that David prayed. God will slay my enemies. God will bring me into the palace. Man, that's, we have to see this chaps, that people who come against us, crazy people who come against us, people who wrong us, who offend us, people who challenge us, who, who push us down, who dishonor us, who disrespect us. This is all Jim for your mission, for your heart after God, for your purpose. It's almost like it's almost like free level ups in growing with stature in the eyes of the Lord. You know, if someone offends you, it's it's your opportunity to Lord, do you see me? Lord, do you see me and 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 ask that question because it's like if I believe that God sees me, then it's like, "All right, Lord, you will reward me if I overlook this offense. If I don't take vengeance into my own hand." You will reward me. We have to, we have to grapple with this theology. You know, because some of you guys, you're going to be in a position where some guy in authority over you, whether that's church, business, uh, the freaking news media, uh, school, whatever, uh, government, some absolute soul clown is gonna disrespect you, is gonna challenge you, attack you, wrong you, cause an injustice against you. And this is where Killdozer got it wrong. 
It's where Kaczynski got it wrong. Their trust was not in the Lord. They took vengeance into their own hands. And where did it get them? It ruined their insane bravery. Do you know how brave you have to be? Do you know how masterful? Do you know how absolutely valuable a man you have to be to do what Kaczynski and Kildozer did? Freaking top men. Top men. And they, they could not. They did not know that God saw them. And they did not know that God would take vengeance if only they would remove themselves from the popped smoke. So desert and prison are preparation for the palace. You know, so many of us, we see harsh circumstances, a desert time, a slavery season, a, a prison season, you know, to get all super spiritual. Oh, I'm, I'm in a prison season, brother. <laughs> Just praying for the Lord to rapture me from this prison. We have to see hard times in our life where there's setbacks, where there's challenges, where there's clown souls after us. We have to see this, chaps, as preparation, not, you know, so many of us, we think that we're, 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 we're ruined by our circumstances. You know, we're permanently failed by our circumstances. We're disqualified by our circumstances. No, no, no. You are prepared by your circumstances. God is, you know, it's like, how long do you have to stay in the gym? Uh, to go and and do do the thing that you need to do. It's like do the work. You know, it's it's this that old Texan preacher I, I really love, old Andy Womack. He said, "God will use you when you become usable." That's not that God has put you on a shelf and He's bypassing you. He's putting you in training. He's putting you in the gym so that once you become able to bear the load that He wants you to bear, He can then use you. And that's why for so many of us, we go around the mountain, around the mountain of like certain issues, of certain challenges, of certain, like, why does the same, why does the same template scenario keep replaying every year to two years in my life? Oh, I need to learn something from this. I need to learn. God, do you see me in this situation? God, I am thankful that you see me. And, you know, that's where you get to rejoicing, like freaking Peter and James or John, whoever it was in prison, it's like, start rejoicing when you're in prison because it's like, God is directing my steps. So this is the, the, the third part of the theology we need here is God is directing my steps. Proverbs 16 verse 9 says, a man plans his way in his heart. The Lord directs his steps. If you understand that, that God has put a gift on our heart, a passion, a talent, a a mission on our heart. We've got to make plans and then start stepping so that the Lord can then direct our steps. And guess where he's going to direct you? Into the gym. What is the gym? Hard times. Dicks. No, let me, please let me clarify that. Clown souls who act like dicks are going to come in your way and they're going to be like, I'm a clown soul. I'm going to come crap in your cave. And you're going to like it. Do you believe that God is directing your steps? Because so many guys are like, all right, guys, vision board. Imagine, you know, whatever the, the you know, have faith for this is our thing. You know, write it down and it's all good stuff. And then we start stepping and guess where your first step is? Into slavery, into prison, into the desert, into the way of some mad clown. And it's like, oh no, God, you promised I'd be an astronaut by next Tuesday. And it's like, no, dude, like, 
I've got a 10-year training program to make you usable. And again, it doesn't mean you're on the shelf. It means he's now leading you through training. He's leading you to become more strong, more courageous, more skillful, so that you don't go and wet the bed when you finally get in the palace. You know, it's the whole thing of like, a kid wants to become an F1 race car driver. That's a wonderful goal. You don't say, okay, little little 12-year-old boy, here's an, a key to an F1 race car. It's like, no, you start on go-karts, then you move up to like little peewee car things, you know, then eventually once you're handling all that, you move to the track and you start doing, you know, bigger engine cars. And then eventually, if you're good enough, you go to the F1 Academy and you start driving F1 cars. There's a process that has to be followed so that you don't kill yourself, so that you don't kill others. You know, so many people are killed by their own success because they can't bear the weight. And they kill others by their own success because they can't wield the weight. And so God in his mercy takes us to the gym, which is often a clown soul acting like a dick. Some of you guys might be like, no, I'm not like David. I actually was the favorite child. It's like, okay, you're Joseph. You can lay around at home in the aircon and play Xbox, which is all the things that Joseph did because he was the favorite son. And while all we're away working little joseph just got to be mama's favorite boy and daddy's favorite boy many of us grew up like that you know and it's like i have a dream because my parents are paying for piano lessons and soccer lessons and i'm going to be the president because my daddy and mommy said so you know it's like that's fine if that was your upbringing and guess what that's fine god still loves you and he still has a plan for you and he's going to take you away from daddy and mommy and he's going to put you in the prison. He's going to put you in slavery because you need the gym. You need to understand that your this great dream that you have is going to die in season one if you go straight into it. You know, if you go, if Joseph had straight away received, it's, this is the prodigal son. The prodigal son story, he literally straight up 18 years old. He's like, whoa, I'm 18, yo, I can go drink. Wait, in America, it's 21. I'm 21, yo, I can go drink. So he goes to his dad and he's like, dad, I wish you were dead. Give me the inheritance. And so his dad gives him the inheritance. And off he goes. And he just drives the Ferrari into the wall. You know, that is the Joseph story. You know, if, if God did not take Joseph through slavery, here's a, here's a cracker. Joseph... He gets sold into slavery and he arrives, he arrives in Egypt at a slave market and he's standing naked on the dock and guys are, are all like bidding over slaves and stuff. And it says that, and God was with Joseph and he was a prosperous man. So something had changed in this journey from being, from being beaten up by his brothers, from being sold into slavery and then the great journey all the way down to Egypt, something changed in his heart. It was a humbling moment. He was humbled. Everybody's proud till they get punched in the face. He was humbled. You know, humility comes after the fall. I think he realized, like, I was a dick. I need, I need God. God, do you see me? Yes, I see you. It's like, okay, Lord, I'll be a man after your own heart. Like, I'm a slave now. I've got nothing else but you. And so he gets this thing right in his heart, I believe. It doesn't say that in the scriptures, but from when his, his brother's beat him up and threw him in the pit to the time that he gets onto the block as a slave to be sold. 
it says God was with him and he was a prosperous man. Talking about his attitude, talking about his character, talking about his persona, right? That's this whole thing for us of I am a man after God's heart. I am a man on a mission regardless of my circumstances. In fact, my circumstances are preparation. My circumstances are a gym for my mission that God has got me going on. And, you know, we can apply this to so many things, chaps. You know, if things are hard in your family, things are hard in your marriage, things are hard in your church, things are hard in your business, things are hard politically, whatever it is, whatever hard thing you're going through, say, God, thank you that you're with me and I'm a prosperous man. Because that's it, chaps. We're being, God is directing our steps. And that, and then it wells up into thankfulness, not victimhood. Thankfulness, not resentment. Thankfulness, not grievance. Ethereal. Why do I feel like 80% of politicians never got any training before they started wielding their power? Man, that's an astute observation. Exactly that, man. That's what we're seeing in society is, is these, these bug men, these gammas, who somehow just go straight into power positions, you know. And it shows. It definitely shows. So I want to I wanna really hit on this uh, for us, chaps. You know, whether you were a David who had a rough upbringing, whether you were a Joseph who had a silver spoon upbringing, both had to go through a desert slavery prison time to get to the mission that God wanted them. So, so number one, I just want to encourage you guys. You know, whatever crap you're going through, whatever prison uh, or, or slave season you're going through, don't see it as punishment from God. Like, oh, God has forsaken me. God has abandoned me. I'm a victim. It's like, no, no, no. Oh, my gosh. God, do you see me in secret? Yes. Thank you. I am in training. I am just, I am just absolutely shredding it, crashing in this gym. You know, and when I'm ready, God will use me. And until then, man after God's heart. Man after God's heart. Man after God's heart. You know, God sees me in secret. Every time there's a uh, an offense, it's like, oh, an offense, try this side. An offense. And it's like, man after God's heart. I forgive, I bless, I get out of the smoke. God is my vindicator. God will smash my enemies. You know, and then God, you're directing my steps. Thank you, Lord. I make plans in my heart. I step out and then you direct my steps. And sometimes, Lord, you're going to direct me into the way of a mad clown soul. And it's like, all right, I know how to deal with that. God. You see me in secret, you will vindicate my enemy. I will not touch the Lord's anointed because he's my gym instructor. <clears throat> so make plans, chaps, to contribute and work your gift, your domain. So I really want to encourage you, you know, the biggest thing for tonight that I, and, and even for me, you know, to never stop thinking of new ways to take steps towards giving your gift more, to working as unto the Lord more. You know, if your domain is economy, if your domain is government or media or ministry, whatever your domain is, you know, the, the thing that you're like, yeah, that's what I'd love to do. Just small little steps. Lord, what are small little things I can start doing? You know, what are small little contributions I can make? Who are the people I can get around who are doing this thing? How can I help them? How can I be a, a apprentice to them if that's the case? You know, or if, if you're already crushing, if you're already gunning hard, how can I, like, what else have I not pursued that is on my heart to pursue? Like, what new, you know, I, I feel this thing, chaps, of, of a lot of us get, you know, we, we give our gift and we get a bit of momentum and then we maintain. And it's like, start taking risks again. Start having faith again. Lord, where can I crush 
as unto you, that's going to be a little bit scary again. That's going to be a little bit new again. You know, I think it's a great thing to, to think of. And then the next thing is to not, you know, with the people we have authority over, is to not overlook grievance, not overlook uh, resentment and victimhood. Whenever another guy is being a victim, challenge him. You know, men respond very well to challenge. It's like, hey man, be be a man on be a man on a mission. You know, if someone's victim and whining and stuff, it's like, hey mate, be strong. Don't be weak. You know, what's your mission? Don't be a victim. What's your mission? Live to a vision. You know, it's such a great challenge. It it snaps guys out of victim mindset of like, what's your mission? You know, when guys are griping about their wife, when guys are griping about their work, when guys are griping about church, like, what's your mission? Because if you're on your mission, you don't have time to be a victim of all these other people. You know, you can put up a boundary, pop some smoke and get out of there. You know, that's a, that's a great, chaps, that's a great strategy. You know, if, if you're in a, in a hierarchy that's dishonoring you, Lord, do you see me? I forgive this person. I bless them. I'm popping some smoke and I'm getting out. Fast air is coming in. Righty, boys. I bless you. Praise God. I need to take a freaking cold shower. No, I'm still going to take a hot shower. I love my hot showers. Let me tell you, don't let these, don't let these right wing high testosterone bros take away your hot shower. It's okay to have fun in the desert. It's okay to have fun as a slave. It's okay to have fun in the prison. Be a man after God's heart. And, uh, and God sees you chaps. He sees you in secret and he's going to reward you openly. Love you boys. Have a good night.